good to be home. I miss this place. It's wonderful. I went to have a cup of coffee this morning. There was no milk there. I said to the guy, where's my milk? He said, well, there's no milk here. I have to go and get some. I said, don't you know who I am? He said, no, I've never seen you before in my life. So it's great to see. It's great to see that the church is growing and it's healthy. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. Sunday mornings, uh, my, my heart gravitates to this place. You can't forget 25 years, can you? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is a very long time, especially if you're married. Anyway, so, 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 so um, I, I've, I've just been so blessed, and, and people say I'm looking younger than ever. I feel that went down like a bomb, didn't it? Anyway, but I, I feel uh, I've never felt so uh, exhilarated. People say... You know, when I travel, Ray, you're 67, when are you going to retire? I said, that word is from hell. That, that, that word is from hell. Uh, no, I, I'm not retiring, I'm refiring. That's what's happening to me. No, seriously. I, I'm so excited. God is opening amazing doors. Um, just last month, uh, I've been preaching in Norway, in Finland, in Amsterdam, in uh, um, Sweden, Last weekend, I was in Kiev in the Ukraine. And just to let you know that, uh, my God, uh, God is doing amazing things across Europe. Uh, and um, this week, I'm up to TBN. I've got to record eight more programs. People are watching that, which is amazing. And then after that, you can pray for me. I go to, I fly to Canada then I go from Canada to Texas, then I go from Texas back to Canada, then I go Canada, London, then I go London, Sydney, Australia, and then Adelaide, Australia, and then back to Singapore, and then home. So please pray that I will, I will not lose my identity somewhere over Indonesia. Do you know what I'm saying? Fantastic. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Dave and Faye are in Norway. That's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm in Wales, and they're in Norway. That's flipping nuts. But they're having a great time. I rang uh, Dave this morning, and uh, he, he was just getting up. And <laughs> he said uh, they're excited. They had a great time yesterday, and uh, looking forward to preach. It's amazing. This church in Norway, in the west of Norway, I'm going to be preaching there in a few weeks. Uh, and, uh, they're having a pastor's conference, so... Uh, it seems as if uh, the King's Church is having an effect on a great Pentecostal church in the west of Norway. So, uh, you know, the pastor there wants Dave and I to have an input into that house. And it's a privilege. I love this. I don't know. I drive down here this morning and you get, you know, when you get to my age, you start getting all nostalgic. You know what I mean? You start remembering things and then... <clears throat> it's amazing, you know, with all the crap I've had here over the 25 years, you, you, don't, you know, you don't seem to f remember that, do you, really? You just, oh, there's children here. Uh, you, 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 you just remember the good times, and, and um, it doesn't matter, you know, that, you know, Jesus, you know, the Bible says that God can actually make the bad things work for our good, so it's all good. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this house one more time. <laughs> <clears throat> and whenever I travel, it seems as if God is um, prompting me to minister in one area, and um, especially to ministers and to churches. 
Uh, I honestly believe that there is a second reformation taking place all over the planet within the church. And it seems as if the Holy Spirit is getting us to refocus on, on rediscovering the naked gospel. The, I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel because it is. Not will be, it is. Every time the gospel is preached, which I am doing this morning, the power of God is present. You can get healed as I preach. Many people run here and there. There's a move of God over there. There's a move of God in America. So they jump on a plane and they go to get the power of God. Waste of time. We've got to get back to what the Bible says. And if you want to understand where the power of God is, here it is. The gospel is the power of God. It is. Man, you know, I, 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 I've been in places as I've been preaching. People have got healed, saved, uh, because, because the gospel is its present. It's the power of God unto salvation. The word salvation means wholeness. Whatever you need, if you listen and believe the gospel, whatever you need for your life, God says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, not behave. <laughs> and everybody said, thank God for that. Amen. Because in it, the reason why it's powerful, because in it, the righteousness from God is revealed. You ain't got to clean your life up before God will accept you. He accepts you based on the righteousness of Jesus when he died on the cross. And he gave us that righteousness as a gift, man. Come on, you need to bless God for it. And when Jesus wrote to a church in, in Ephesus in Revelation, he they were a big church, 30,000 people, but he said, you know what? I, all the stuff you're doing is great, but, but, but you, you've, un, you, you've, you've missed a priority in all your activity. You, you've, missed, you've missed the priority of how you were birthed. You've missed the priority on how, what really maintains the life in you. He says, you've lost your first love. You've got to get back to it. You, you've, got to, you've got to understand that the whole basis of uh, your existence is my love for you. Come on, somebody say amen. Rooted in God's love. Look at this scripture here. Ephesians chapter 3. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through the Spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. You don't lose your personality when you get saved. Come on, somebody. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and you may, having been deeply rooted, not just, you know, this is a deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the 
width and the length and the height and the depth of the lo his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. It's as if Paul the Apostle can't find adjectives to describe what he's trying to convey in his heart. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience. You can't live off somebody else's experience. And this was, this was Paul's passion to the same church that Jesus had to remind them of this. See, Paul was telling them that you'd be rooted in the love of God. They somehow forgotten it, so Jesus had to come to the same church and remind them. I love it. The love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Come on, give Jesus some praise for his word, man. It's just fantastic. When we read the Bible, we can be stunned by its prophetic accuracy. We can be uh, stimulated by its poetry. We can be disarmed by its blatant honesty, but at the end of the day, we must never forget the priority to its content. It, it is not scientific. It is not intellectual. But the essence of the Bible is basically relational. It is a, in essence, it's a love letter from a passionate father to a wayward son to come home. In essence, it's a love letter from a betrayed husband to an estranged wife to be reconciled. The greatest need in the body of Christ today is not more leadership seminars. It's not more self-help, life skill preaching. It's not more charismatic experiences. The greatest need in the body of Christ right now is that we have a fresh revelation of the incredible, unfathomable love of Jesus Christ for us. Really? You think, wow, this is so basic. Well, it was basic enough for Jesus to address a church of 30,000 to get back to this basic. Because without this, your service, our service to one another is just self-motivated. If everything we do is based on the revelation of the incredible love of God for us, I'm telling you, it'll change everything. And this is what God has anointed me in these last days to preach as I travel. No, a fresh revelation of the love of God. We all remember the movie Titanic. I mean, what a movie that was when it came out. Uh, and the scene, there's a picture here, the scene that, that really moved us all was this end scene where Jack and Rose were there. Oh, there they are. And uh, how unselfish is Jack? He's freezing to death. And she's safe and sound on a piece of wood there. And the conversation, it's just like everybody was leaning in. When Jack chose to freeze to death in the icy waters of the Atlantic, 
We, we didn't sit there and evaluate this incredible act of love with dictionaries in our hand to decipher if each word they were saying to each other at this moment of sacrifice was grammatically correct. We didn't get our history books out and calculate the exact time of the disaster while we watched this scene. We didn't get our physics manual to see if the board that Rose was hanging on could actually have supported two of them, not just one of them. We, we didn't use mathematical calculations to determine if Jack could have actually stayed in the water that long without dying from hypothermia. No, man. No, we watched that scene with lumps in our throats, with snot on our face. Yeah. And tears in our eyes. Why? Simple. Because Jack so loved Rose that he gave his life so that she should not perish. That's what we saw. That's how we viewed it. Why, the question I ask, why are we moved deeply with the gospel according to Hollywood? But why do we react to the gospel of grace with such emotional blasé? Why do we watch Hollywood's gospel depicting scenes of amazing sacrificial love as emotional wrecks, yet approach the greatest act of love this universe has ever seen with lexicons, concordances, and dry eyes. All of salvation, every aspect of our salvation, including repentance, including faith, is a result of God chasing us down. Come on, somebody say amen here. The church needs to change its lenses through which we gaze on the God of the New Testament. Why did the lazy servant bury his talent? Because he had a wrong perception. You are a hard man. Why? Did the elder brother refuse to go into the party because he had a wrong perception of his dad? Why did the workers at the end of the day, after working nine hours, got the same pay as someone that just turned up for five minutes? Why did they complain and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, 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 and shout at their uh, employer because they had a wrong perception? of the generosity of our gracious God. Come on, somebody, say amen. Perception. They were gazing at God through a defective lens. And the decisions and behavior of these people were seriously affected because of one thing, perception. Wrong perception. Many churches 
that I arrived to preach for the first time. The first message I always preach is a message called burying the lies about God. I remember turning up in a church in uh, Australia, friend, a friend of mine, and I was just about to minister to the leadership team. And before I got up, the pastor, my friend for years, stood up and said, before I introduce Ray to you, I, Ray, I need to apologize to you publicly for believing lies about you. <laughs> what a great way to be introduced to her. He said, I, I, uh, I, I, I believed rumors about you, and I've lately discovered that they were not true. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, I've been around a while. Does he come every week? Uh, I've been around, I've been around a long time, and yeah, 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 we're okay, I'm preaching. Uh, and so, and so, and so, uh, when, you, when you've ministered for a while, uh, stories do circulate about you that uh, can be presented as truth. But listen, I've had my fair share of rumors. Uh, but hey, it's part of the package. So here I am being introduced, and, uh, and he said, Ray, I, I apologize to you for believing these rumors. Now, if I was in the leadership team, I would say, well, that's nice. Tell us what the rumors were. Come on, us. Anyway, not here because you're so holy and everything. So, so he, so he, uh, so, uh, he said, Ray, my relationship with you has been seriously affected for years. Because you were misrepresented to me. And the reason why people are not lining up outside here to come in to hear the gospel is, be is because for years in Wales, from pulpits, from Christians, God has been misrepresented to people in Wales through religious, pharisaical, unloved-based preaching. Come on, somebody, say amen here. They've come in here, I've said it before, for years the church in Wales has been a place where guilty people come to hear a guilty preacher tell them how to feel more guilty. That's how it's been. But, but beloved, there is a shift. I said there is a shift, there is a change. And God is revolutionizing the hearts of preachers because they're beginning to see, and I'm one of them. Very often I stand here over the 25 years, I wish I could get some of the messages I preach and burn them because they were works-based, judgmental-based, not coming from a perception and a platform of the incredible, unconditional love of God. But it's changing Young men are being raised up all over Europe with a fresh revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of love. Martin Luther, who ushered in the Reformation in the 1500s, I mean, you need to, if you, you need to get a book and read about Martin, Martin Luther's life, and you'll be ever grateful for him for standing up 
I'm speaking out against a culture in the church that was judgmental and law-based. His life changed dramatically from a morbid, performance-based, judgmental monk when he realized God's salvation is given freely by grace, apart from human effort, and all that you have to do is receive it by faith. I think I've shared this before, but I think I need to spend a little time here because our whole culture and the church on our understanding of repentance has messed up a lot of people's lives. Really? Martin Luther, the one thing that changed his life was, I mean, he, he did all sorts of things to try to get God to accept him. His spiritual disciplines. In fact, he nearly died with all the fasting and with all the, all, all the spiritual disciplines. He just nearly killed himself. And so they sent him off to a university because, uh, because he was a great teacher and he started teaching the book of Romans to, uh, to uh, his students or Roman Catholic students. And he was teaching the book of Romans and as he was studying from the original Greek, because the Bible in that day in the Catholic Church was written in Latin. And the general population uh, couldn't read Latin, so only the priests uh, actually read the Bible. The Bible was not in the hands of the common people. So they came to church every Sunday and listened to the preach. Uh, priest preach from a Latin translation of the Greek original. And uh, there was so much, uh, there was so much uh, heresy that was preached because of a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of large sections of the New Testament, particularly when they translated it from Greek to Latin. And one of them, one of the doctrines that actually messed up. You see, the devil doesn't need uh, to give you a 100% lie. The devil doesn't mind you getting 90% truth as long as he can pollute it with a 10% lie. Come on, somebody say amen. And so, and so millions of sincere people were held captive and in chains uh, to an angry God. You see, this is, see, the, the, there are two things that make religion effective. And when I speak about religion, understand I'm not talking about an organization. This is the essence of religion. Any attempt to be made right with God through your own works or any attempt to maintain your relationship with God through your own works. That's religion, the wrong type. And so uh, millions were held captive because of one mistranslation of one word, and it was connected with repentance. And when Martin Luther was reading from the original Greek, he came to the word repent, 
And for years, he'd been taught that the word repent in Latin, in the Latin Bible, the word repent meant this, do penance. Do something to make yourself right with God. You've got to do penance. Repentance means you've got to change your life. You've got to sort, you've got to adjust something. And then you are basically, you have to prove to God your commitment to him before he blesses you. Are you still with me here? And for years, because of that one word, do penance, it bound Martin Luther up and millions of other people. But then he started to study the book of Romans from the original Greek. And he came across the word repentance and uh, a flood of light rushed into his life. He was totally transformed when he read uh, the word repentance in the Greek. The Greek word for repentance was this, meta, which means change. Noia, which means mind. Metanoia, change your mind. Come on, somebody say amen here. Now watch, I'm going somewhere here because this is so powerful. When Martin Luther saw this, he said, why all these years have I been doing penance? Why, when repentance is preached, the responsibility is on me? And when he saw it, metanoia, change your mind. Listen to me. It's not change your behavior. Because we are all sinners. And I don't care how good a sinner you are. You're still a flipping sinner. And there is no way under God's son that you are able to change your behavior. Come on somebody say amen here. And because of this. Man, I'm, is this helping anybody? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just teaching you because it's so important. Metanoia. I'm going to make this statement, and this may absolutely, woo! Listen. I'm going to, I'm going to share some stuff with you that, that, will, that will, hear me now. Hear this, what the Spirit of God is saying. Now your head may go, what? But your spirit will go, Whoa, yeah! Go with your spirit. I hurt myself then. <laughs> oh, it's good to be home. If I said that somewhere else, I'd say, oh. hey, listen. To tell someone, now listen now, I'm, I'm the, the, if, if you're witnessing to your friends, I remember I, I used to, when I was in the, in the, in the world-famous gospel group, The Soul Seekers, we wanted a name that was subtle. We didn't want people to know what we were about. So we called ourselves The Soul Seekers. And, every, and we'd, we'd stand. I'll never forget in Clint Sunday afternoon, we're going to go evangelizing the heathen. I, hey. You haven't seen the heathen till you've been to Glenith. I'm telling you. So, so we got our group. Of course, the girls have their head covered because that's what you're supposed to do. 
And uh, we always used, on a nice day, we used to set up right outside the pub in Pontney Thorn, where they'd be working hard all week, slaving away all week, and the Sunday, Sunday afternoon, all they wanted to do is have a pint of beer sitting outside in the beer garden in Pontney Thorn. Heathens. So we turns up, we turns up the soul seekers to tell these heathens drinking beer on the Lord's day. So we were there singing all repentance songs. You know what I mean? With a smile as if, oh, you know, we've been there. We know what it's like to feel guilty. We know what it's like to sin like you. So we were giving it. Oh, God, poor people. They're just there having a pint with their families, like. We start singing for 20 minutes. There's nobody in the They all went inside and it was boiling hot. And we went home feeling like martyrs. We told them, them sinners, they had to repent of their sin. I'm telling you, that culture has pervaded the church for too long, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to, come on, man. We've got to get back to Bible. We've got to get back to the naked gospel. I, I, oh, God. I'll only get through the introduction. But, uh, okay, that's fine. Where am I? You're over here. Okay, shut up, man. Listen. To tell someone that salvation is dependent upon their repentance. Now, I'm letting this drop in. To tell someone you cannot, got, you cannot get saved until you repent of your sin is inferring there must be a behavior change before forgiveness is given to you by God. You know what? Listen. I'm, I'm understanding now that is a perversion of the gospel. I know it's radical for the religious mind. It was radical for me. But when I started to study it, listen to me, listen to me. And, and you, I hope I get a, at least one amen here. Forgiveness from God always precedes repentance in us. Come on, somebody say amen. Forgiveness from God always precedes. I didn't stand outside that pub and say, hey guys, great news, we're all forgiven. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, you're all forgiven. Hmm. Allow the love of God to kill the Pharisee in you and understand that sinners of which we are, are accepted even before he repents. Forgiveness has been given. Here's the essence of the gospel in its nakedness. Salvation is accepting his acceptance. When we were sinners, Christ died for us. I think we seem to forget it. Oh, man, this is our message. 
to a lost world. Are you ready for this? This is our message to a lost world. Second Corinthians, I got scriptures everywhere, yeah. Second Corinthians, where am I? Not that one. Number one, number two. I didn't get can you get me second Corinthians? There it is. Oh, fantastic. This is a, this is this is this is this is the man. This is this is the message. Listen, this is the message that we've been entrusted to share with our family and friends and our workmates. And all of us, this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. We didn't find God. He found us. We didn't, we, we didn't, hey, listen, we didn't come to God. He came to us. To bring us back to God's Christ. And he has given us. He's given us. You see, if you haven't got a perception of this, you cannot share it with others. You'll only share your experience. Well, I have to repent. You've got to flip and repent. Come on, somebody say amen here. Because if your heart isn't marinated in the love of God, if you don't understand that repentance simply means a change of mind. And if I've got time, I'll expound that, but... God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We didn't want it. Come on, somebody. God reconciled the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Man, if we get that... Every trace of judgmental spirit when we count people's sins against them. What if God counted them against you? Give me a break. Can you understand? This is what changes whole cultures. For God, not, no longer counted people's sins against them. And he gave us, you and I, this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal for us. We speak for Christ when we plead here. <laughs> Repent. Is that what it says? Now when we make up, we come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with Christ, with God, through Christ. Somebody better get excited because I'm going to flip and explode here. I'm just reading the Bible. That's our message to a lost world. Oh, man, there's so much here. We've got to get back to preaching the naked gospel, the gospel that the apostles preached. We've got to get back. If you want to know the original stuff, then get your book out. Lock yourself in a room. Get the book of Acts out. And then start studying how they preach the gospel. Because over the years, culture and stuff, even in this area of repentance, we, 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 can, we can criticize the, the Catholic Church in the 1500s. Well, you know what? I think we often have to own up to some, uh, some, some stuff in our charismatic churches the way we've preached repentance in a wrong way. 
Amen. You can see I'm passionate about this. So, 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 so God comes to Peter and says, I, I want you to go to a Roman household. And I want you to preach the gospel. So Peter had a bit of a thing with God. He had a, Peter almost so three times the sheet came down out of heaven to show to Peter the Gentiles were not unclean, but they were, because of the death of Jesus and the resurrection, we all have the gospel available to us. It's very funny that something always God had to come to Peter three times. That's just interesting. So, so and, and then he goes, then Peter goes, right? Peter goes to this Roman centurion, whom God recognized just because he gave. He wasn't saved. This whole household, all Gentiles, the first time the gospel is preached to the Gentiles, and Peter, foot in mouth disease, Peter, he was the one God chose to go. Right? So he gets there, and he starts preaching to them. Watch this. Oh, this is so fantastic. Now, this is important. This is the Gentiles. They've got to get it right here. Got to get the gospel right here. Got to get our doctrine right here. First time. If you look at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 11, I'm going to put the scripture up right now. There's a, Acts chapter 11. There's just a portion of it, but watch this. Look at me. If you look at Peter's sermon, if you read it out, it'll last two minutes. Two minutes. The Holy Ghost could not wait to do something. So Peter was halfway through his sermon. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. I'll tell you what, go back to Acts 10. Sorry. Get the Acts 10. This is him recounting what happened. Acts 10. Do you got the scripture there? No, it's Acts 11. Acts 10. There we go. Uh, give them a big clap down here. They're flipping awesome. Watch this now. This is, this is Peter preaching to the Gentiles. How many of you would say this is pretty important? Hey, Peter, you better get the gospel right, bro. To him, he's in the middle. He's telling these people. To him. Jesus, all the prophets witness that through this, his name, whoever repents, would someone talk to me here? Whoever repents, does it say that? Whoever what? Whoever what? In him will receive forgiveness of sins. And it was at this point the Holy Ghost said, shut up, Peter, for you botched it up. I'm taking over. And the Holy Spirit fell while Peter was still speaking these words. What these words? Whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. Come on, somebody. Say amen. No, that's not a clap. You need to really clap and shout God. This is good teaching. The Holy Spirit. I don't know, perhaps he was afraid Peter would get into his judgmental mode. Repent! I better get there before he starts messing it up. I think it's wonderful. I said, I think it's absolutely amazing. Now, repentance was not mentioned, but repentance was seen. After they believed. 
the change of behavior came after they believed. I believe in repentance, but let's get it biblical repentance and not charismatic culture repentance. Come on, somebody say amen here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, repentance. You know, it was a major issue in the early church that they had to meet in Jerusalem to discuss it. Look at this in Acts 15. They were discussing the Gentiles and, you know, they're not, they're not sort of doing it the way that we think they should do it. The law of Moses, they've got to be circumcised, obey the laws. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. I mean, come on, man. It's important. It was important enough for the apostles to get together. And when there had been much dispute, come on, Peter, at last he's getting something right. Peter rose up and he said, excuse me, you're talking about they've got to do this, they've got to do this, they've got to, excuse me. Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, he's referring now to his first message in Cornelius, he said, Gentiles, you hear the word of, 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 of the gospel and Repent. The Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and what? So God who knows the heart. You talk about, man, Judas repented. Outwardly. Oh, he did the whole thing, brought the money back, wept, cried, did did the whole charismatic thing. But God knows the heart. just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of these disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Man, I hope you're getting some of this here. I tell you what, Paul was preaching to the Jews Here we go again, Acts 13. Paul preaching to the Jews. This is the preaching in the New Testament. This is the preaching in the early church. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, once you repent, talk to me, somebody here. We are here to to proclaim to you. Paul, who was set apart for the gospel, This is the essence of it, that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins, for everyone who repents, no, sorry, for everyone who believes in him is declared right with God. Come on, somebody say amen in this house. Give Jesus another hand clap in here. Come on, somebody praise him. Wow, okay. Are you okay? Are you okay for time? Can I take some more of this? Watch this now. We may be horrified at how the Catholic Church held people guilt-ridden because of a mistranslation of the word repentance. But aren't we guilty of doing the same? Have we relegated biblical repentance to the emotional realm? Where morbid introspection, coupled with deep feelings of remorse, shame, Self-reproach, self-condemnation, and that's expressed through many tears 
And after we've done all that, finally, God is persuaded through our repentance to turn from his anger and be kind to us. Basically, we've lived in that culture in the church for years. Biblical repentance simply means change your mind from an angry God to a loving God. Change your mind from a God who wants to kill you to a God who wants to bless you. Change your mind towards God. He is not angry with you. Somebody say amen in this house right here. Change your mind. But it's not... You know, many understand repentance to mean to turn from sin. And there is an element of truth in that when you're a Christian. You know, something is going on in your life and you realize, whoa. So what do you do? You change your mind. It's like going into a store and saying, now do I want, oh, I'm going to have chocolate ice cream. Uh, oh, no, that vanilla... Looks nice. No, I'm changing my mind from chocolate to vanilla. I don't go on the floor <laughs> and scream and shout and cry, I'm so sorry! I love chocolate, I'm so, I'm so, I'm turning from you, I'm so... <laughs> no, you just say, no, that's, that, no, that's not good for me. I'm having, I'm having low-fat latte, low-fat skinny chocolate, that. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying here? It simply means change your mind. Because you can try to change your behavior, you'll be crying out here for 3,000 years. Right behavior begins with right believing. Not the other way around. Man, I'm preaching myself really happy here. Repentance. It's not a work of man to access God's kindness. It's a gift from God because of his kindness. Even the repentance to change our mind is a gift from God, does not come from you. <laughs> the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I used to preach it. Christians, love the, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I can't love my, you know, I can't love God with all of my heart. It's impossible. That's law. But I tell you what I can do. Because he shed his love in my heart by the Holy Ghost, then I can begin to develop that much better than I could do on my own. No. Many understand re repentance to mean to turn from sin, but it's not the biblical meaning. Now, the result will be a turning from sin. What, what, what did he say to the woman caught in adultery? Did he say, now, before I forgive you, I, I want to see some repentance here. Now, she was ready to be stoned right there. He sent the ones away who thought she should be stoned. And the one who should have the authority and the right to stone her said these words. Hey, look at me, love. She, I think she was from Tonopandi. Look at me, love. I'm not going to throw rocks at you. 
you're forgiven. Now, on the basis of my forgiveness, that should be the incentive for you to go and sin no more. Come on, help me here. I'm telling you, that's the basis. That's the basis. True biblical repentance goes beyond the emotional realm and actually results in a change of behavior rather than some emotional rush in some conference. To repent in relation to salvation is to change your mind regarding Jesus Christ. He's forgiven you. He's accepted you. He loves you. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message that produces change. Give the Lord a big hand clap in this house right here. We'll have the musicians up here. I'm not saying I'm finishing. I'm just I'm asking them to come up here. Uh, there's lots more I could say. Have you received the word today? Why don't we give Jesus a big clap for his word right here? No, come on. Let's give him praise for his word right here. Now, listen to me. I know some of you, your religious heads have been tilted. I was. I, 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 mine. I'm coming to you. Do you know what? We, we are barbecuing some sacred cows here. And a misrepresentation of the whole concept of repentance needs to be adjusted. The message of the gospel to our friends and family is not repent, but you are forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, what was his last words? Father, forgive them. Hmm. Fantastic, Noel, isn't it? What? Awesome. Is it? Absolutely. Are you embarrassed now because I'm talking to you? <laughs> it's great, James, isn't it? What do you say? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I got my hearing, James, is a bit. So that loud music you play in every Sunday. Fantastic. In our desire to pursue God, how many of you, how many of you your heart's desire is just to serve Him? Come on, somebody say amen. With all our imperfections, in our desire to pursue God and his presence, I think we've missed something. In our passion to relate to him on a daily basis through our spiritual disciplines and our self-sacrifice and our prayer, all good stuff, and our Bible reading and our rehearsed prayers of repentance, I think we've missed something. The heart of the gospel. Listen, it's never been about our pursuit of him. It's always been about his pursuit of us. Always. Always. And we've missed it. Get back to your first love, Jesus says. Get your heart rooted in this. From the cry in Eden to the first Adam, where are you? To the cry from the second Adam in Revelation, come to me. The whole reason we pursue him in the first place is the revelation that from the beginning of time, even before time, he has always had you on his heart. I've shared this before, but I, I, for me, when I was meditating on this whole subject, I'm on a plane coming back from Norway. And normally after I preach for a bit, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't like people. So 
I don't want to be with people. I just want to be on my own. I've had enough of people. Not like you, because you love people. But I, I'm a preacher. Sometimes I don't. That was a bit of a joke there, person. Anyway, so, so I'm sitting on the plane. I just want to be on my own. I want my own space. Do you know, Jesus did that sometimes. Just, you know, just give me some space. I mean, giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. I'm sitting on a plane, ready to enjoy my space. And this guy comes and sits by me. And, and um, he had a, a, a plaster on his foot. A big f- so with my keen sense of observation, I thought, he's, he's hurt his foot, that guy. <laughs> and I, 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 this is totally out of character. I turned to him and I said, what's happened to your foot, mate? I'm thinking, what are you doing? You don't want to talk to me. Uh, he said, I've been skiing up in the north of Norway on a holiday. And I, I just broke my foot and I got to go home. You know, it sucks really. I had three days left. I was really enjoying it. And I said, oh, man, that, that's... Uh, so, so we just started talking. And uh, I was a nice guy. So I, I said, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a portrait artist. So I'm thinking, that's the end of that conversation. Then. Uh, so I thought, how can you? So, the, so I said, have you painted anybody famous? And shyly, very shyly, he said, well, actually, he said, I'm the personal portrait artist for the royal family in England. I've just finished a portrait of the queen. Only one of three who have ever done that. And I painted a lot of political like, you know, Margaret Thatcher and a lot of stuff. He said, I've been commissioned now when I get well to go to the Vatican to, uh, to paint a portrait of the new pope. I said, now I'm sure this is the end of the conversation. It's got to be now. Uh, and then he says, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> now, what I wanted to say was, I'm an artist too. I take God's word and I paint it on the hearts of people. Oh, yes. That's what I wanted to say. It didn't come out of my mouth. This is what came out of my mouth, which I never say. I'm a preacher. Oh, God, why did I say that? I thought, oh, lovely coffee, please. Have a coffee, please. He said, really? He said, yeah. And this, (laughs) he said, you know, we call each other by our first names. You know, by then, uh, Ray, when I came to sit by you, I just sat down and looked at you and I thought, there's something different about this guy. I said, look, Alex, I'm not gay, okay? <laughs> was it the way I was sitting? I said, no. He said, there's something. He said, I, there was something about you. And uh, he said, can I tell you something I've never told anybody else? I said, go ahead. He said, 15 years ago, I had a dream. I'm not religious. I had a dream. In the dream, I'm kneeling before Jesus. I, I know it's Jesus. I just know. And I'm pouring out all my sins and all, all the bad stuff. All the, I'm pouring out all, all of my sins all my, in this dream. And I look up. He said, I'm a portrait artist. I read faces. I can take the emotion on a face and put it on a canvas. And I looked into his face. And as I was pouring out all my sins, this is what his face was saying. Yeah? So what? Then at the end of the dream, I said, but Jesus, I don't believe in you. And that's when his eyes dropped in disappointment. And I woke up. He said, what does that dream mean? (laughs) 
I said, you've just described to me, Alex, what theologians have been trying to write about in thousands of books. He said, what's that? I said, you know when you poured out all your sins and he was not moved? He said, yeah, because your sins have been paid for. Your sin is not a problem. The reason his eyes dropped is you didn't believe that you were forgiven. The disappointment, the disappointment. And I said, I said, listen, have you talked to him since? He said, no, I'm a bit embarrassed. I said, well, look, don't want to embarrass you here. I, I, I'll pray with you here if you want. But you know, when you go home tonight, just sort it. Just say, thank you, Jesus. I believe that my sins are forgiven. I believe, accept me. He texted me the following day. He said, Ray, I've done what you said. It's all sorted. Come on, man. It's all sorted. Just look at me, everybody here. Now, listen. The only difference between you and me is I work out and you don't. You don't get a body like this by accident. No, I'm serious. Does he always come on Sundays? <laughs> anyway, once I deliver the demon out of that guy over there, what I'll do is... <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Listen, just look at me. Look. Why don't you believe that Jesus died for you right here? All right, that's easy believism. Yeah. The gospel isn't cheap. Do you know what it costs the Son of God to make it easy for us? Come on, somebody. The church has made it too hard for people to come to Jesus by demanding a wrong concept of repentance. No. I'm going to ask you to say a prayer like this. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me all my sins. I believe and I receive you. I want every head bowed, every eye shut. When I count to three, when I count to three, if you are here and you've never said that prayer, you've never, you've always thought that you've got to do this and no, you have to believe. The most popular gospel out of the four gospels is the gospel of John. Not once is the word repentance mentioned, but 71 times the word believe is. Believe. I'm asking you to believe that you are forgiven and receive that and receive Jesus. When I count to three, if you want to do that, raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it up high. High. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Put your hand up. You know it's your day. Believe. I'm just asking you to believe the gospel. One, two, three, four. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand high. Let me see it. And I'll pray for you. Father, you see these hands raised. Every single one of them right now are having their lives transformed from the inside out. I thank you that they will never, ever be the same again. We love you. Thank you for the gospel of the grace of God. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. Yeah.